during Ash Wednesday, churches all over the world, including the church that is meeting upstairs, our Methodist brothers and sisters, have several readings. One of them is from the prophet Joel, Joel chapter 2, where the prophet issues a call to repentance, a call for all God's people to come and return to the Lord, a call that says, rend or rip or tear your hearts, not just your clothes. Don't make a show of it. Instead, consider from the depths of your being the ways in which we've been out of step and how God is inviting us to get back on track. Another reading that they're reading upstairs and all over the world is a prayer for those same people. And it's a prayer that balances out the clear call of Joel that says, turn back to God. This prayer gives us a glimpse into the kind of God we're returning to. And though we are sinful, our God is compassionate. And though we have missed the mark, our God is gracious. So hear these ancient words For a people like us called to repent. Psalm 103. The Lord is compassionate and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in love. He will not always accuse, nor will he harbor his anger forever. He does not treat us as our sins deserve or repay us according to our iniquities. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his love for those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed our transgressions from us. As a father has compassion on his children, so the Lord has compassion on those who fear him. For he knows how we are formed. He remembers that we are dust. The life of mortals is like grass. They flourish like a flower in the field. But the wind blows over it and it's gone and its place remembers it no more. But from everlasting to everlasting, the Lord's love is with those who fear him. And his righteousness with their children's children. With those who keep his covenant and remember to obey his precepts. The Lord has established his throne in heaven, and his kingdom rules over all. And finally, this psalm closes with an invitation to praise. Praise the Lord, you his angels, you mighty ones who do his bidding, who obey his word. Praise the Lord, all his heavenly hosts, you his servants who do his will. Praise the Lord, all his works everywhere in his dominion. Praise the Lord my soul. This is the word of God for the people of God, and we say, thanks be to God. So now I want to invite you to take another moment to just take a deep breath. Just pause. Don't miss this moment. Don't miss this opportunity to be present to God's presence. This is something that we practice each week as a church. Kids, this is something that not a lot of other kids get to practice. But we want to normalize breathing deeply, relaxing our shoulders, 
And kids, I want you to imagine that God is wrapping you up like a warm blanket. That as a father is compassionate to his children, so is our God and Father compassionate to you. So take another deep breath in and remember that God is here with you. And it's from that place of grace and goodness that we're also reminded of the ways that we have missed the mark and been out of step. And so now we want to take a moment, as we do every Ash Wednesday, to confess. And so if you feel comfortable, I would invite you to pray these words out loud or at least in your heart. These are tried and true words that help us consider the ways that we're out of step, but they're also words that help invite us back into the way of a gracious father. Let's pray these words out loud. Most merciful God, we confess that we have sinned against you in thought, word, and deed. By what we have done and by what we have left undone, we have not loved you with our whole heart. We have not loved our neighbor as ourselves. We are truly sorry and we humbly repent. For the sake of your son, Jesus Christ, have mercy on us and forgive us, that we may delight in your will and walk in your ways to the glory of your name. Amen. Now I want to invite you of your own quiet moment to confess maybe specifically those ways that you have drifted from the path. A quiet moment in reflection, confession, or repentance. Finally, let's pray this prayer for Ash Wednesday out loud together. Almighty and everlasting God, you hate nothing you have made and forgive the sins of all who are penitent. Create and make in us new and contrite hearts that we, worthily lamenting our sins and acknowledging our wretchedness, may obtain of you, the God of all mercy, perfect remission and forgiveness. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, forever and ever. Amen and amen. Well, again, I want to thank you for being here, making this time, creating this space for our Ash Wednesday service. Before I spend just a couple minutes in some teaching for this season, I want to direct your attention to these two handouts that are back at our communion table. One is beautiful and colorful because Carla made it, and it's for our neighborhood kids. If you've been around the neighborhood church for a while and you have kids, you have engaged during the season of Advent, which is the church's new year, and you've also engaged in the season of Lent, which is that 40-day time period before Easter. And what we're doing with our kids is discipling future disciples. Someday, we are confident in the work of Jesus and the Holy Spirit, that they will say yes to give their lives to follow Jesus. And until that day, we rest confident in the knowledge that he loves these children and he's calling to them even now. And so we're just discipling those future disciples. And the way that we're inviting you to do that is each week of Lent, with this guide, kids of all ages 
can read a passage of scripture. They are invited to give something that week. They're invited to pray specifically for something that week. And then they're invited to fast for something specifically that week. So don't miss this. It's also posted online in our Facebook group. We can make that available to you. It's weekly, so don't miss this. I want to draw your attention to that. And for those of you, maybe kids at heart, but looking for something a little bit more adult, we have this simple guide for reading and reflection. It's the 40 days of Lent that doesn't count Sundays of walking through the Gospel of Mark, following the Jesus story, and following the readings that people and Christians from all over the world are doing this time of year, with a psalm reading each Saturday that we will read in our gatherings. If you followed along at home before, we've done these books called Lent for Everyone by N.T. Wright, where he takes these kinds of readings and then he gives these simple and profound devotional material with those. If you still have that book, you'll notice this follows very closely to that. If you don't have that book, you don't need it. This has the scripture readings, and it has some questions for you to reflect on tonight. So I would encourage you to grab that even while you're in this service. Even if you're not going to read these passages, I would encourage you to reflect on these questions and find these resources at the bottom of the page for some wonderful online apps and tools that you might want to put on during your Lenten journey. Those are my commercials. Now I want to spend just a few moments, and I do mean it. You don't believe me, but I mean it. I want to spend just a few moments setting the table for this season that we are embarking upon. When I was a kid, I sat in some hard wooden pews in a high church. Y'all know what a high church is? A high church in East Dallas that had the robes and the incense, and I was an altar boy all that kind of stuff. So I have memories of being a kid, sitting in a service like this, and walking down front at the end and getting ashes smeared on my forehead. And guess what? I didn't get it. I had no idea what I was doing. I just knew that that meant this boring service was almost over, and I would wipe it off as soon as I could. I grew older, and I was a part of not high churches, that didn't participate in Ash Wednesday. But by the time I made it to seminary, I was trying to connect with my old school high church roots. But then I read Matthew 6, which is what I'm going to read for you in a moment. And in Matthew 6, Jesus says things like, when you fast, you know, wash your face. Don't look like you're fasting. And as a seminary student who knows everything, I said, that's dumb. I don't get it. Why are we going to begin a fast by showing everybody we're fasting? That's what I thought when I was in seminary. Then when I met the people, some of them in this room, a small number, this people that became the core group that would become the neighborhood church, they were telling me about an Ash Wednesday service they had years and years ago that fell somewhere in between two ash extremes. One extreme was a charcoal briquette that some people got etched into their foreheads. And the other extreme might be from our friend, let's call him Lou S., just to keep his anonymity. 
told me at length about how he didn't get the charcoal briquette. He got marinated. He had oil dripping down his face like the beard of Aaron. And we had these two extremes for Ash Wednesday. And I just got to think, whether I was a kid or in seminary or hearing about those services, maybe some of us don't get it either. Why? Well, I'll tell you two things. I'm going to try our best with the ashes tonight. I'm going to really try to not charcoal briquette you or marinate you. But I'm also going to say that when it comes to Ash Wednesday, I think I get it now. It's not about showy religion, showing everybody like maybe you saw today out and about that, hey, I went to church. It's not about that. In fact, it's not even having much to do with, hey, I'm going to fast or I'm going to give or I'm going to pray. What the ashes symbolize is this ancient biblical way of saying, I am grieving my sin. I am grieving the way I've gone off the path. But these ashes symbolize my intention of returning to God. Maybe you've heard the Old Testament phrase, they repented in sackcloth and ashes. The church carried this tradition forward and said, we're not just going to repent. We're also going to come face to face with our frailty and our death. So Lent is a season of repentance and a time to refocus our mind, our heart, and our habits on our life with God. And then Ash Wednesday sets the tone for that season. And it begins the season by reminding us of our frailty. We are dust, and to dust we shall return. And it invites us to return to God. Cameron Sinclair sent me a meme. Be in prayer for them. Amy Sinclair had a surgery that was unexpected today on her back. She's doing well, but please say a prayer for the Sinclairs. But he texted me while he was waiting this uh, meme. And it was one person that asked, what are you doing for Valentine's Day? And then the other responds, oh, you know, smearing dirt on people's faces and reminding them they'll die. (laughs) So happy Valentine's Day. But Ash Wednesday sets the tone that we are returning and we are reminded that we are frail and that we are in need of God. And so we begin the season by recentering, and let's hear the words of Jesus. And then we'll reflect on those words for just a couple moments. And then you'll have an opportunity, if you would like, to meet Toby and I at two different places while Kelly leads us in a song and a prayer. To receive those ashes insofar as it refocuses you and reminds you and invites you back to God. But for now, let's hear the words of Jesus. In Matthew chapter 6, Jesus says, Be careful not to practice your righteousness in front of others so that you'll be seen by them. If you do, you will have no reward from your Father in heaven. So when you give to the needy, do not announce it with trumpets as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and on the streets to be honored by others. Truly I tell you, they have received their reward in full. But when you give to the needy, Do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing, so that your giving may be in secret. Then your Father, who sees what's done in secret, will reward you. And when you pray, do not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by others. Truly I tell you, they've received their reward in full, which is his way of saying they wanted to be seen, 
they got it. But when you pray, go into your room, close the door, and pray to your Father who is unseen. Then your Father who sees what's done in secret will reward you. And when you pray, do not keep on babbling like pagans, for they think that they'll be heard because of their many words. Don't be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask him. That's when he gives us the Lord's Prayer, and finally he closes his teaching speaking of fasting. Verse 16, when you fast, do not look somber as the hypocrites do, for they disfigure their faces to show others they are fasting. Truly I tell you, they've received their reward in full. But when you fast, put oil on your head and wash your face so that it will not be obvious to others that you're fasting, but only to your Father who's unseen, and your Father who sees what's done in secret will reward you. Jesus' teaching in Matthew 6 recenters us, and it calls us back to God and reminds us that our motives matter. So as we begin this season of Lent, let's summarize what Jesus is inviting of us. These are classic disciplines for these 40 days, to give, to pray, to fast. Many of you might have this sense that you want to give more fully. Do it. Many of you have this sense that I want to pray more consistently. Do it. Some of you may feel called to fast because you don't ordinarily. Do it. But what Jesus teaches us is this. Don't give to make a fuss about it. Don't pray to sound spiritual. Don't fast to look spiritual. One of the ways that you can check your motives this season is how often you're telling others about your fast. One way to check your motives is to consider, am I giving and praying so that I'm putting coins into a cosmic vending machine so that I can trick God into giving me what I want? Jesus' teaching is clear. Don't give, pray, or fast to make a fuss or look the part. But did you notice when we were reading Jesus' teaching, the word when? Raise your hand if you heard me say the word when more than once. There is an assumption in Jesus' teaching that you should and when you give. There's an assumption in Jesus' teaching that you should and when you pray and when you fast. So here's our reminder as we're inviting you as a church to join with Jesus in giving, praying, and fasting. Do give and forget about it. Do pray to share your whole life with God in the quiet places where he sees and hears. Do fast to more fully engage with God. That's a summary of Jesus' teaching. And so just to land the plane and remind you, as you consider the ways you might be called to give, remember that we don't give to be seen by others. We don't give to get God to bless us. There's some faulty teaching out there that takes this principle that God blesses us and he invites us to give, but we don't give and we don't receive blessings because God is a bank and we want to make sure that we're putting enough in so that we can withdraw enough out. No, no, no. We give because God has given to us. We give not to get God to do something. No, we give God 
We give because God has given so much to us that it transforms and inspires us to follow his example. So consider now, in what ways do you feel called to give your time? What ways do you feel called to give your money? What ways do you feel called to give your attention more consistently or sacrificially to God and the needy and this church and others this season? That's a question that you'll find on this guide. And I invite you here in just a moment in between the receiving of ashes and singing our final song, would you take a moment today on Ash Wednesday and consider in what ways do you feel called to give more consistently and sacrificially? Jesus says, when you pray, and remember we're praying not for affirmation or from obligation. Oh, I should. Ah, I ought to. And when I say affirmation, you're not praying so that your friends or your kids will think that you're a real spiritual Christian. No, no, no. We pray not for affirmation or obligation, but for transformation of our inner and outer world. Jesus' teaching in Matthew 6 is about getting our inner motivations aligned with our outward actions. When you pray, we're praying to be properly formed. So consider this. In what ways do you feel called to pray? more consistently or intentionally this Lent? If Lent is a season of returning and recentering, what are you going to do? Not because you feel like you got to or I'm asking you today, but is the Holy Spirit nudging you and asking, I'd love to be gracious to you if you would just sit and listen a little bit more. I would love it if you don't worry about 30 minutes, but what does 30 seconds or three minutes look like in your car on the way to work? More consistently, more intentionally. And then finally, fasting. By way of reminder, fasting is the voluntary disengagement so that you can more fully engage with God. Fasting says, I am not going to eat lunch on this day or at this time so that I can more fully feast in my time with God. Fasting is voluntarily disengaging from maybe social media. Maybe it's disengaging from mindsets. Maybe it's disengaging. I'm going to fast from complaining about my job. Lord help you. <laughs> fasting from normal activities for the sake of of spiritual activity. That's fasting. And maybe you're like me, and fasting isn't a regular part of your toolkit. Maybe in Lent, it ought to be. Consider, in what ways do you feel called to fast? From food, mindsets, media, activities, in what ways do you feel called to disengage from one thing so that you can more fully engage with God? That's what I want to ask you to reflect upon. So now I'd like to invite Kelly to come and to begin to play quietly. And here's what I want you to do. If you don't have this sheet and these questions, that's okay. If you don't remember the questions I just asked you, that's okay. But do this for me. Would you ask this question of God? What are you calling me into this season? If that's the only question you sit with, I want to give you just a minute before we invite you to pray 
and receive ashes if you'd like. I want you to sit with that question. God, what are you calling me into this season? What if this Lent is a Lent that reorients, recenters, and transforms your mindset and your life? Not because giving, praying, and fasting are magic, but because they're tools that allow us to be acted upon by the living God who is calling us back to himself. So how's he calling you? Take a moment and ask that in quiet reflection. And then I'll lead us in a prayer. And Toby and I will be posted in different parts of our space. And if you feel like you want to come face to face with that reality that you need God's help, and that even if these ashes are just going to be worn on your forehead for the next three hours before you wash it off and go to bed, we want to invite you into that space because even if it's just for a moment, come face to face with the reality that you are dust and that your life sometimes gets off track. But we are repenting and we are returning to the living God. So spend a moment inviting him, asking him, what are you calling me into? then, if you're led, we can sing and you can receive these ashes. Spend a moment now. ashes are for children, they're for adults. This is just our way of saying, God, we're returning to you. And so whether you receive these ashes or not, I invite you to pray this prayer. Would you say these words with me? Almighty God, you have created us out of the dust of the earth. Grant that these ashes may be to us a sign of our mortality and penitence that we may remember that it is only by your gracious gift that we are given eternal life. Through Jesus Christ, our Savior, amen. Loving Lord, at the beginning of this Lenten season, we are met with the challenge of handing over every bit of our lives that do not come from you to rid ourselves of what clutters our lives and all that distracts us from the simple truth of your love for us. Your prophets have called us to change the way we worship, to make internal sacrifices instead of external ones, to seek justice and love kindness and walk humbly with you each and every one of our days. If we don't give anything up for Lent, then let us at least give up this, that we might live and cease living in ways that disconnect us from you. So lead and guide us on this Lenten way. May we walk with Jesus toward the hill just outside of Jerusalem. 
May we, like him, take up our cross and follow, spending each moment of our lives living responsively to you, just as Christ himself did. For that is the faithful way. Amen. Go in peace.